The plunder of the ages is in my grasp. The books of the Vashanti and the Baibon, the orb of Agamotto himself, the two gems that are one, the veil of the purple dimensions, the scroll of the hoary Watum, down to the fabled Darkhold itself. Talisman whispered across hundreds of dimensions, all in all, a fitting treasury for the Sorcerer Supreme of this plane, a sorcerer named Urthona. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 36th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How you doing this week, Drew? Doing great, but gravel voice kind of hurts the throat, man. Oh, you know, that's the price of being evil, buddy. It's cool, but there is a cost to it. (laughs) (laughs) So you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and any fine podcast app. You can contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe 12 on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen, or on our podcast network site, cradaline.com. Uh, we welcome any feedback, reviews on your favorite platforms, anything at all. Let us know how, what you think of the show. Um, hopefully it's good. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's not good, then you know, don't, don't say anything. Yeah. So let's recap just briefly what happened last week, Drew, as we go into this, um, this episode of Stranger by the Dozen. So one thing that we sort of is hard to talk about because we don't see it that much, but um, the ratings and the buy rate for the Doctor Strange solo comic are down. Oh no! Oh this no! Com- yeah, it's bad. Uh, this comic's been running since like 1974, I want to say. Um, oh, oh. Wow. Okay. Since like basically a since a year after Doctor Strange came back from being on hiatus um, in 1972. You know, it's mostly been twice a month, which is sort of a sign of a less popular comic. You know, if you're more popular, you go to like once a month or maybe even more if you're really crazy, but. Doctor Strange, but with one or two exceptions, uh, the Doctor Strange comics always been once a month, or always been twice a month, and you know, it just has been doing well. Recent attempts, like crossing over the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and stuff, have had some effect, but not enough. And um, the and the comic, yeah, running since June 1974 is being canceled. This week is uh, issue 81 is the final issue of volume two of dr strange oh man yeah it's a bummer but that, that's you, a huge bummer yeah but we soldier on you know um luckily dr strange is still popular enough to support a comic which is going to be strange tales volume two which we'll recall a thousand years ago is where he got his start alongside uh johnny johnny storm the human torch and then nick fury this time he'll be joining uh cloak and dagger but we'll get to that when we get to it. For now, I want to recap what's been going on in the actual Doctor Strange comic. All right. Which is Doctor Strange has been running afoul of a wizard from beyond, of a sorcerer from beyond the stars named Earthona. Yeah. He's like kind of a, he's got like, a, he's, he's an alien dude, got a lot of teeth, has kind of gray skin and wears a uh, pink like one piece bathing suit. I want to say, but like an uh, armored one piece bathing suit, right? Uh huh. I describe his head as predator esque, I guess. Uh huh. Or like um like the mask that uh, Sandman wears in the Neil Gaiman comics. Okay. But, <laughs> right. That that's legit. Yeah. So he's claimed to be the. So he wants to take the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme from Doctor Strange. To that end, he sent some of his um, crazy sci-fi magic alien troopers to oh, attack. Okay. Doc- yeah, to attack Doctor Strange on Earth. He critically and critically injured Doctor Strange, forcing him to have to a couple times leave his body to possess various people to fight off the aliens. First, Morgana Blessing, then Sarah Wolf, as Doctor Strange was then taken to hospital to be uh, fixed up and stuff like that. Oh, no. Yeah. So that's where we kind of left off. Also, last time, Doctor Strange's Cloak of Levitation was destroyed, and he had to send it away to a Mystic Tailor to get it fixed. And the Mystic Tailor was like, all right, I'll send it over when it's done. And we sort of had our penultimate episode, Doctor Strange and Sarah, Doctor Strange barely alive after being stabbed through the stomach with Sarah Wolf, his uh, business, his uh, business manager, 
and they were greeted by a hairy, shadowy figure that said, I have come for you, Doctor Strange. Uh, that seems bad. Yeah, it does, man. Which yeah. takes us to <laughs> the... Oh, 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 one more thing. Uh-huh. Erthona, the evil... Um, the evil alien guy has stolen the Sanctum Sanctorum in total. He's just, the whole building blasted off from its foundations from New York City and just flew off into space. I mean, if you're going to take something, do it all the way. Yeah, it's like the end of that one Peter Jackson movie. Um, <laughs> taking with it, it took uh, Wong, Dr. Strange's, of course, long-term assistant slash disciple, and Topaz, a new member of the team, you know, mystic lady from various supernatural Marvel comics. She's She came back from hell with half her soul, and Erthona seems to have the other half, which is how he figured out where Doctor Strange was in the first place. But yeah, so Erthona's got the Sanctum Sanctorum uh, and all the junk inside of it. And that takes us to... And all of that, so much stuff, takes us to Doctor Strange 81 from February 1987. The Tongues of Men and Angels. Peter B. Gillis, writer. Chris Warner, penciler. Randy Emberlin, inker. Many Hands, letterer. Bob Sharon, colorist. Carl Potts, editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So this comic begins in medias res. A spaceship flies through space. At the controls of the spaceship are a hairy green minotaur dude wearing Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation as the body of Doctor Strange rests in a glass capsule, sort of being healed or whatever. This doesn't seem okay, but I'm sure I'll go with it. It's awesome! (laughs) (laughs) We quickly find out that that this green hairy minotaur guy is the shadowy hairy figure we saw last week. Yeah. In this case, um, and it's a it's a mystic disciple named Rintra, who's a green minotaur and the disciple of the mystic tailor that uh, fixed Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation, and he's basically delivering it to Doctor Strange. But wait, uh, I'm confused. Well, so, well, you know, he Doctor Strange left his cloak with the tailor to get it fixed, right? Right. And so he was like, all right, I'll send it to you when it's done. Okay. So how do you send it? So how does uh, Enithraman, the uh, the mystic tailor, send his uh, send-completed works after they're done? But he sends his disciple to deliver them, you know? Sure, but... And his, and his disciple is a green, hairy minotaur guy. Right, but he also has Doctor Strange in a tube. Well, okay, let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so Doctor Strange knows he's got to go to the planet of Earthona to take him down, okay? Okay. So to do the, to take um Earthona down, he's going to need a body and the Doctor Str- and his Doctor Strange body is in no condition to fight. Now, Rintra, being a mystic disciple, so he's had some magical training and is sort of attuned to magical energies and stuff, plus also being a giant minotaur alien kind of guy is the perfect body for Doctor Strange to bar to possess and borrow for this showdown with Erthona. Oh, okay. Now, this causes some problems with Sarah Wolf, who's maybe jealous or feels like Doctor Strange has betrayed her by not taking her along for the fight. But we'll have to deal with that later. She runs off in tears. This is all in a flashback. Gotcha. Meanwhile, okay. Doctor Strange um, possesses Rintra and this Minotaur guy with Doctor Strange's amulet and cloak flies to the Baxter building, the headquarters of the Fantastic Four, bumps in, uh, finds Reed Richards and is like, hey, Reed, it's me, Doctor Strange. I know I'm a Minotaur guy, but I'm going to need to borrow a spaceship. And Reed Richards, I guess at this point, uh, you know, 20 years in, no stranger to the needs of superheroes. is just like, oh, okay, sure. And loans him one that he's borrowed, that that he's taken from the scrolls a couple years ago. Along the way into space, (laughs) uh, the Doctor Strange possessed Rintra stops by the hospital to grab Doctor Strange's own body. Just let his astral form just get too far away from his body when they travel through space. And they're off. It's super awesome. (laughs) So yeah, so now we're cruising in a spaceship. There's Astral Doctor Strange and Rintra. 
the two of them are flying around. They are landing to Earthona's uh, homeworld, a planet's surface that's been burned out with you know by uh, buildings full of uh, you know caustic sands and other things like that. As right. they approach, Earthona feels Doctor Strange coming and, you know, does some monologuing, kind of laughs at Wong and Topaz. He definitely lords Topaz, like the half of Topaz's soul that he possesses over them. That's really a jerk move to do. Just yeah, saying. totally. Wong tries to escape, but and like tries to ask Topaz to help him out. But she's like, my soul's over there. I got to get my soul. And a legit concern. <laughs> Yeah, but Wong's like, lady, we gotta, like, focus on what's in front of us, and that's getting out of this thing. But anyhow, a <laughs> uh, spaceship shows up. You know, it lands. Or it, it comes into the planet. It gets attacked by the uh, various forces of Earthona. But Doctor Strange is prepared now, and in his sweet new Minotaur body, he just blasts everybody away. He's like, listen, I'm here to chew bubblegum and take out would-be Sorcerer Supremes, and this cow body does not pro- is not properly able to chew bubblegum. Man, I got no time for anybody's stuff today. So, there's a huge... So, after blasting all the soldiers away, uh, Doctor Strange slash Rintra and Earthona have a crazy wizard battle. It rages all over the planet and stuff. Orthona starts to get worried, even though he's got a possession of all Doctor Strange's magical gigaws. Uh, Strange is still incredibly powerful. Luckily, he's also good, and as we know, evil will always triumph over good because good is dumb. Or at least worried about his friends. So, <laughs> as the fight rages on, uh, Orthona summons a bunch of crazy, like, spiked grabber arms to attack Wong including one that goes, like, around his face and stuff, and we just see, like, a cutaway of, like, Wong, like Wong's hands are tied up behind his head, so we just see sort of Wong's hands, and I'm going, ah, and then, like, a splash of blood rising up from where his head would be. And whatever Earthone has done, he's messed, Doctor, like, he's messed up Wong, and it's really messing with Dr. Strange's head, especially as he then opens the dark hold and summons forth the dark blood hunger of night which is a bunch of uh crazy evil vampire bats that fly around and swarm doctor strange oh no yeah so doctor strange is stunned by the whatever violence has been done to wong we don't get to see it but basically as rintra tries to hold off these attacking uh, uh evil uh dark bats or shadow bats Doctor Strange is in his head, in his astral form, just being like, Wong, oh my god, you didn't deserve this. You deserved a happy life. And Rintra's basically, man, I gotta get Doctor Strange's mind back on the prize here. So, we get a rare double possession, Drew. Okay. Rintra, uh, yeah. Alright, so so Rintra is entered his astral form. Yeah. And he flies, yeah, so, so Rintra goes astral too, leaving Doctor Strange inside, inside Rintra's body. Rintra flies up back to the spaceship, inhabits Doctor Strange's injured form. So Strange and Rintra have now swapped bodies. It's Freaky Friday, Sorcerer Supreme style. Okay, sure, seems legit. <laughs> yeah, Manic Monday. Uh, so <laughs> as the battle rages on, um, Rintra, Rintra and Strange's body manages to free uh, Topaz and Wong and then jams Topaz's soul into Topaz's body. So she's all sold up. But Earthona continues his attack. He's threatening the bu- he's threatening Doctor Strange's buddies. He's got the dark hold in hand and is casting powerful magic. For Doctor in Doctor Strange's eyes, there's only one thing he must do. It's like one thing he can do to thwart Arthona's power and win this day before his friends can be killed in the crossfire. And that's use the height of his magical powers to destroy all the relics that Arthona has gathered from the Sanctum Sanctorum. Just huge huge blasts fly out of Doctor Strange's body and they destroy everything. The Book of the Vishanti, the Orb of Agamotto, chests and tomes and jewels all destroyed in magical fire. Urthona's shocked by, what's he's do- by what he's done. He's like, what have you, 
What have you done? What have you done? And Doctor Strange simply answers, I've beaten you, monster. <laughs> but even with all his power, Doctor Strange couldn't destroy the Darkhold. And that, and with that mystic book, Erthona is basically pieces out. He teleports to some other, to, to some, uh, to some place unknown. And Erthona's left with his friends, with Rintra, with Topaz, with the injured Wong, who's still alive. He's triumphed, but he's broken everything. His friends, his vows, everything he's stood to protect, he's thrown away to win this victory. And so, the end of Doctor Strange. Wait, what? Well, yeah. I mean, of Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, Volume 2. Right. It's just, it seems like a, you know, a, a weird kind of... It's a downer ending, off. man. Yeah. It's like, good, like, what are we going to do with all those mystic things um, gone, you know? we I mean, we know for a fact that several of those guys are, were, were specifically there to hold back mystic entities that would destroy the Earth, you know? Like the, the, uh, the Amorpha that held Zom back in the day, or uh, the Book of the Vashanti, which Kalu is uh, trapped in and stuff. Plus, just, he uses that stuff all the time to get magical abilities and do all of his spells and stuff. Yeah. So, like, how is this going to affect Doctor Strange's magic and the general state of the Earth, Drew? It, this seems like a problem. Hey, let's pick it up with Strange Tales Volume 2, Number 1, from April 1987. It's the first issue collector's item. Oh, buddy. Ooh. 75 cents in U.S., 95 in Canada. So <laughs> fancy. <laughs> so... Strange Tales, Strange Tales Volume Two, like I said before, is an anthology comic. It's got stories about Cloak and Dagger and about Doctor Strange. Um, unlike the previous Strange Tales, Doctor Strange gets about half the comic, and the covers are usually combinations of the Cloak and Dagger story and the uh, Doctor Strange story. So right. it's not like previously where Doctor Strange was like in a quarter of the comic and rarely had a cover. You know. Strange Tales days. Uh, <laughs> I guess I should talk about Cloak and Dagger. We touched on them a little bit an episode or two ago. But so, here's the deal with Cloak and Dagger, all right? Yeah, okay. So, it's there's so there's Cloak and there's Dagger. There's two of them. Right. Cloak is like a uh, a street kid. He's black. He's got he had a big stutter problem. Uh, enjoyed heroin or other street drugs, things like that. Right. Then there is um, Dagger. She's a lady. She's white. She kind of comes from an affluent background. Sort of a poor little rich girl thing. Her parents split up. She's got a stepdad that she gets along with, but she doesn't get along with her mom and her dad disappeared. She's a dancer. uh, And eventually she kind of got into street drugs too. The two of them did. She ran away. Oh, she ran away from home, I should mention. But the two of them were on the streets doing drugs, things like that. They got injected by, you know, your standard experimental new crazy drug that gives you superpowers. Um, Mm. (laughs) And depending on when you're reading about Cloak and Dagger, it either gave them superpowers or it awoken, it it awoke like latent mutant genes within them that then then that gave them superpowers. But basically they got superpowers, all right? So, like, okay, just for like clarification's sake. Yo. They would be considered metahumans, much oh. along the same line of, like, let's say, a Spider-Man would. They, they are, yeah, they they're super fall, duper. Me- yeah, they do not metahumans. fall within the category of mutants or inhumans. They're definitely not inhumans. Yes. Um, I don't know if they're mutants or not. <laughs> <laughs> They've had, an, like, I honestly, it 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 can vary, like, right, but I'm. Pretty sure that with like, okay, with current Marvel, with current Marvel, they are definitely neither mutants or yeah. humans. Like, like literally, like this is a part of their Wikipedia page on Cloak and Dagger on whether they're mutants or not. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, at the moment they are not mutants. There may be mutates or something, but they aren't. Um, they uh, again, aren't full on like, mutants. W- within line, within the lines of like, let's say a Spider-Man is. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. So general power things. So cloak, um, cloak, his body bonded with some sort of shadow universe. So like, 
He's basically a living shadow except for his face, which morphs to become demonic when he's cloak. He loses his stutter. The cloak's an actual cloak. It's like a piece of cloth. But within it, he can sort of suck you into this dark dimension that that is within him. It's freezing cold. It's very dark. It'll mess you up. You'll sort of get sucked in there and it'll change your life, basically. But it can also eat you if he's not careful. And there's stuff in there. Maybe demons, maybe other things. Ooh. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Dagger, meanwhile, is sort of the opposite. She's a being of light. She shoots like light daggers, I guess, hence the name. Um, uh, She can sort of also project light and do other things like that. The basic thing, they sort of have a symbiotic relationship where Cloak needs the light Dagger projects to to feed him, basically. And then if Dagger doesn't doesn't sort of bleed off excess light from her her being then she becomes really like icy and her personality changes and she becomes someone else essentially so, so it's a it's an entirely symbiotic relationship it's pretty symbiotic yeah i'd say a big thing we're gonna see that happens a lot in these cloak and dagger stories is mostly dagger or is mostly cloak feeling like he's not worthy of dagger and Often this will get him to talk himself into like them splitting up or him being like, oh, like I've messed things up. I'm just going to go. Dagger will hate me forever. And Dagger being like, oh, no, wait. But like, you know, we're friends or even like I love you and I'll love you forever or something like that. And Dagger and and Cloak sort of still being self-conscious about it. Or that's what it seems like to me, I guess. Like Cloak does not seem very confident in his relationship with Dagger. That's what I'm trying to say. Dude has self-esteem issues. I mean, you know, he's like a junkie that turned into a demon, you know? He's like had a, a guy with a stutter who now doesn't really have a body and is just kind of a uh, darkness form, you know? Really, really big self-esteem issues. It's possible. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> but so we're going to sort of follow this Cloak and Dagger story, too. I'm not going to get too far into it each episode, but I just kind of want, or each issue, but I just want to sum it up, and then we can move on to Doctor Strange stuff. So, you know, I, th- that's the basic backstory. Oh, yeah, uh, Cloak and da- uh, uh, Dagger has one of the all-time uh, number one uh, boob window superhero costumes. <sighs> like, I feel like... The chest area must have like double side must be made of double sided tape or something like that. It's not clear how it's staying on. Yeah, but I'd say look up the uh, look up the Hark of Agrant um, s- comic strips about Cloak and Dagger for a sort of full explanation. You know, for, for for full discussion and meditations on this costume setup. Just a warning on that. That it might be a little not safe for work. Just that's it's you'll be fine. <laughs> it's 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 boobs. Yeah. Just, yeah. But uh, so let's get started with Strange Tales number Volume Two, Number One, from April 1987. Uh, the first story is Cloak and Dagger, Bill Mantlo's story, Brett Blevins' art, Ken Bruzenak, letterer, Max Shield, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor in chief. Okay, so Cloak and Dagger are in India for reasons I'm not clear on, but they're in India. <laughs> they're on a boat on a, on the Ganges. Um, it's got a bunch of pilgrims and stuff. It starts to capsize. People go overboard. Uh, Cloak's able to save Dagger, but they can't save everybody else because Cloak saves Dagger by sort of folding her into his shadow universe. But like he can't take other people in there because they'll freeze and die, which doesn't happen to Cloak because of her inbuilt light. But speaking of light, a bunch of mystic lights appear out of nowhere, hover over the drowning uh, people from the boat. And absorb their souls and then fly off. It's pretty crazy. Just killing everybody that fell out of the boat. Cloak and Dagger uh, follow these energy be- energy or these uh, these the- these light balls. Basically, they find their way to a temple where the light energy um, diffuses itself into the various priests and guys meditating at the temple. And everyone's like, "Oh man, this light feels real good. It's time for a light party." Uh, uh, Dagger starts dancing around, sh- shooting light daggers, being like, oh man, this light stuff's real awesome. When and, and Dagger's like, this is not cool. Like, Dagger's light comes for her se- from herself. These guys are rejoicing in light stolen from people as they died, and it's freaking me out a little bit. 
It's, it's a big jerk move. That's what it is. Yeah. But so before he can sort of make his feelings known, he gets uh, two-hand touch tackled in the back by some sort of light being. The light filters into Cloak's body and redu- and removes the shadow elements from him. Basically really not cool. Turning him back into a stuttering regular dude. As he's uh, as Cloak's recovering from this shock of returning to a regular person, Dagger's also shocked because the guy who did that, who introduces himself as either the Resplendent One, the Radiant Luminescence, or the Lord of Light, turns out to be Dagger's father. Dun oh, dun dun! Dang! Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> and so we jump to the second half and have not charity. Peter B. Gillis, writer, Chris Warner, penciler, Randy Emberlin, inker, Jim Novak, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. All right. Hey, Conrad, I have a question. Yeah, do it. So at the end of uh, of uh, Doctor Strange vs. Ream, yeah. uh, series two, mm-hmm. he destroyed all the stuff. That's right. What, what's going on? Well... Following the events, he appears to have piloted the Sanctum Sanctorum back to New York City. That sounds like a hell of a feat. <laughs> it's landed back on Bleecker Street, and it was. Everything's all broken. All the glass was broken. There's, like, uh, smoke and dust fla- f- uh, billowing out of all the doorways and windows and stuff. All, like, the all the railings and woodwork and stuff is all broken, and it's just a big old mess. Doctor Strange doing is, is doing, like, some elementary repairs, like the most basic stuff. Meanwhile, Topaz, who I guess is... Man, this is some in-depth Topaz stuff, but (laughs) I guess she was prophesized to come to great power when she turned 21 years old, and she apparently just did, so now she's a powerful empath. Okay. Which includes having healing powers, so she's able to heal Wong's messed up face, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, she heals Wong's messed up face, and then she's like, I've healed Wong, but now, Doctor Strange, it's your turn. Meanwhile, in, uh, you know, places around the world, stuff is happening. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in uh, the Baker Farm, 15 miles east of Callersburg, Ohio. It's raining, and there's giant worms coming out of a nearby Indian mound. Okay, that seems like a problem. Yeah. In a in the in the tro- in a trawling boat boat off the Chandler Islands in the Gulf of Mexico, they pull up their nets, and there's the biggest hole anybody's ever seen inside those nets. Oh dang! <laughs> Meanwhile, to, uh, as everybody, as a uh, Rintra and Wong and Sarah Wolf pile out of the room, uh, Topaz begins to heal to try to heal Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is like, hey, man, my physical wounds are okay. And Topaz, sort of continuing a theme we've seen a couple times recently in Doctor Strange, is like, I'm going to heal your heart. Uh, she, she takes his hand and starts, and, or her, she takes his head in her hands and starts scanning her. And she's like, ah, oh, Doctor Strange, like there's this pit in you that you've been locked away, not feeling emotions and stuff. Why'd you let her go, Steven? Why'd you do it? Bring her back! And this causes Doctor Strange to cast some spells, and suddenly, uh, hey, Clea shows up. What's up, Clea? Still with her flame of office on her head, you know, head of the Dark Dimension, daughter of Umar, niece of Dormammu, uh, Clea arrives, and Topaz is like, hey, Doctor Strange, like, you should get back together with Clea because you both love each other. Uh, okay. This isn't awkward at all. <laughs> and Doctor Strange is basically like, that's not me, man. I don't. Uh, I don't do that stuff because what you call it. I'm Doctor Strange. As this is happening, there's still more um, weird stuff going on. <laughs> there's a big rainstorm brewing in um, in New York, off the coast of New York City. A lady uh, checks her sto- checks her kitchen sink, and suddenly a huge floosh of black junk comes flying out of it, like up to the ceiling. Meanwhile, on a roof above a burnt church, it looks like a pair of gargoyles seem to stir. And Doctor Strange kind of explains that, like, um, he, after being sort of a jerk as a doctor, he's retreated to sort of a monkhood at, um, as, a, as a mystic. 
he can't let himself love. He's got to cut himself off and be like basically a have a monkish life. He can't fully give himself over to another. You know, uh-huh. he must be he has to be pure and undistracted. Sure, pure, undistracted. Right, got it. Meanwhile, on the streets of New York, uh, through the rain, as a torrential rain falls, one man walks towards the Sanctum Sanctorum and his face is all messed up, sort of, uh, you know, Men in Black 1 style. (laughs) Uh, Things continue, like, Clea's like, hey, come with me. You could um, be my consort in the Dark Dimension and you could chill out a little bit. And Doctor Strange basically just says, no, I can't. I gotta stay on Earth. I got, you know, I love you, Clea, but not in that way. I must maintain my vigil as Sorcerer Supreme. As he rejects her, stone cold, she tears in her eyes, says, I've loved you since the first moment I saw you. Doctor Strange looks into her eyes and then turns. He can't do it. Meanwhile... that's real okay. cold, Steven. Yeah. It's real cold. It's ice cold, man. Summoned her from a distant dimension just to reject her. It's a burn. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, outside, thunder cracks, and this weird guy is like, yes, it's time for me to confront Doctor Strange and ruin his day even more. And with that, we finish Strange Tales number one and go directly to Strange Tales number two from May 1987. Hey, Doctor Strange is back to monthly comics, although, you know, it's half a monthly comic, basically. I mean, I'll take half over nothing. That's definitely true. So so, uh, Strange Tales number two, May 1987, like I said, first up, Cloak and Dagger, All in the Family, Bill Mantlo's story, Brett Blevins art, Ken Brusenak letterer, Glennis Oliver, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, you know, stuff's going on in this light temple. Basically, Dagger's getting real close to her dad, who also has light powers, it seems like. Meanwhile, Cloak is sort of a regular human, and he's hella jealous and worried that now that they aren't outcast superheroes anymore, um, Dagger won't like him, basically. Dude, come on. He follows, um, he, like, the Dagger's dad sends out some more of these light, of of these light balls, and and Cloak follows them, finding, like, a car crash where people probably could have lived if someone called called an ambulance or something, but instead they just straight up murder murder them and take their life essences. That really doesn't seem okay. And they even suck the light essence out of cloak himself which doesn't kill him but he turns him back into cloak like he goes from you know he was been a regular guy but when the um light stealing balls steal the life the life essence from him it just turns him back into his shadowy state instead of killing him basically so cloak returns to the temple and confronts the um confronts the people and, and confronts everybody there, like, basically, hey, you're killing people. Like, that's not cool. That's really not okay, guys. Come on. Like, maybe it'd be one thing if people were already dying and you took their essence, but when people could live and you take it, then, you know, you're just murderers, and that's real crappy. Uh, Dagger's father, you know, sends his goons after her, and Cloak just sort of eats... or. Dagger's father sends his goons after Cloak, and Cloak just sort of swallows them up and sucks their light out. <laughs> Like he do. You know, which is sort of his thing. Eventually, as um, Dagger's father fights Cloak and starts sucking the energy out of Dagger to power his assault, he sort of That's realizes... Really up. Yeah, he realizes what he's become. Like, sort of that, his um, search for enlightenment or joy or happiness or something has, ca- has uh, caused harm and has twisted him into something evil. He, uh... He returns the stolen light dagger and then leaps into Cloak's body, disappearing deep into the darkness within Cloak's cape. That, as he does, it turns Cloak back into a human again. And as da- as Cloak apologizes for killing Dagger's father, the two of them hold each other, and Dagger says, "I'll love you forever." It's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty nuts, man. Real fast, real weird with this Cloak and Dagger stuff. That's a fact. No kidding. (laughs) So we go to the Doctor Strange story. 
the world well lost for love. Peter B. Gillis, writer, Chris Warner, penciler, Randy Emberlin, inker, Jim Novak, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, there's this dude. He's basically hosting a water elemental, I guess. I was about to say, his face looks really melty. Yeah, or some sort of water monster, so he looks like he's been in the bathtub for, like, the last ten years, basically. <laughs> like, he's all, like, wrinkled and pruned and stuff. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange is uh, fixing the roof to just to sort of avoid his problems of the fact that there's two ladies in the basement who want to talk to him about love some more. Yeah, man, avoid your personal problems. Do housework. I mean, to be fair, like the big window on the roof of the Sanctum Sanctorum is broken and it is raining. So there's tons of water pouring into the Sanctum. Like it would be helpful to um, to have it not just be raining in there, you know? I mean, I guess. Yeah. Anyhow, um, you know, Topaz tries to explain to Doctor Strange about the need to have, like, love and relationships as a wizard, how it doesn't have to be something that's bad, but actually be something that's good, that can help make him a more complete person and stuff. Doctor Strange sort of explains that's wrong, that, like, his connection to emotions is what led him to, like, destroy all the mystic junk um, that has made him distracted, like, last issue when he got to all messed up by that, uh, Medusa demon lady. Do you remember that, that, that one, Drew? Yeah, yeah. Where there was that dude that was in love with the snake-haired lady, and yeah, Doctor and Strange was like this. And, and then he killed himself. Yeah, and Doctor yeah. Strange was like, oh, this is messing me up, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, Doctor Strange is basically like, nah, no love for Doctor Strange. Topaz is trying to talk him out of it. Clay is like, screw this, like, I have stuff to do. Um, <laughs> Yo, she's like super important and has like responsibilities and stuff. Yeah, man. she's the literal queen of the dark dimension. She's got to do things. So she sort of opens her portal and she's like, hey, like, you know, if you ever want to hang out, if you know what I mean, uh, come on by. But until then, I got to go. And she disappears. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, you know, Doctor Strange checks in on Wong and he's doing okay. Like, Wong's trying to get up. And Sarah Wolf is like, stay down, Wong. Like, you gotta rest. He checks in on a, on a Rintra, who has is just doing stuff around the house. He made a flying carpet, you know? <laughs> like, meanwhile, Doctor Strange senses a, a great power outside. And before Rintra can help him, Strange runs out to confront him. This water dude. They start, you know, they start fighting. Mystically, Doctor Strange shoots a blast at him. And the being sort of dissolves into muck and when dr strange walks up to him the muck covers him and he's got to like zap it off basically the two of them fight like physically rintra hits the beast with a club and just sort of mess makes him look more and more messed up but eventually this beast is coming for dr strange and he can't stop him most of his spells aren't working because of the lost artifacts and so eventually Doctor Strange strays from the path of black magic, or of white magic, embracing the darkness. His hands burning, he grabs the being by its, by its human head, and in a blast of energy, destroys the being completely with a mighty crack. Rint, like, as Doctor Str like, in the aftermath, Doctor Strange, uh, s uh, sits on his knees, like, distraught rintra goes up to him and says master are you all right and dr strange says i've killed for the first time and now i'm afraid it won't be my last he's kind of sort of violated the hippocratic oath at this point yeah and just his general commitment to like using white magic and being sort of a good sorcerer instead of an evil one yeah they did now the thing i'm i'm just going to go ahead and drag yeah. us back into the modern times here uh the cool thing because they kind of they kind of did this in the Doctor Strange movie as well, mm -hmm. uh, where they had him like have his like freak out when he said, "I I just killed a man." <laughs> right. This, this is really not okay for me. Right. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea for Doctor. I mean, you know, most superheroes sort of have this oath about not killing each not killing people and stuff. But I do really appreciate when it gets tested or when it gets created. You know. Yeah. I mean, like, you have people like Tony Stark who just murders 
dozens of people out in a desert. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then he, you know, but eventually he has like, he, he'll occasionally have like changes of heart or something like that, you know. Yeah. But it is, it is funny, yeah, especially when you read old Iron Man where he's just like straight up selling city destroying weapons to people and stuff like that. <laughs> like as an afterthought, he doesn't even like think weirdly about it, you know. But okay, here we go. Strange Tales 3 from June 1987. Nightfall. Bill Mantlo's story, Brett Blevins' pencils, Al Williams' inks, Ken Brusenak, letterer, Christy Shield, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Okay, so Cloak and Dagger are on a plane. They're flying back to New York. As Cloak dreams, he gets all freaked out and attracts the attention of Nightmare, Doctor Strange's old enemy. And he decides, oh, this Cloak guy, I can, I can use him. Uh, apparently, his shadow universe is next door to the to the dream dimension, so I can mess around with Cloak in, in that way. To that end, he summon, he uh, makes a demon jump out of Cloak's body, or no? Basically, Cloak pukes up a demon because he's Ew. in human form, but he's still got some connection to his shadow form. And big demon. It rampages through the airport, airplane, etc. Eventually, Cloak eventually Cloak's able to reabsorb it, and the rest of them, um, you know, successfully get out. Um, and Cloak and Dagger jump out, jump out of the plane, sort of phasing, and the plane lands safely. Good times. The only one really sad is Dagger's stepfather, who wanted to pick her up from the airport, but no dice. Aww. Yeah, I mentioned through this whole part that Cloak is wearing a weird uh, turban the whole time, and it kind of comes loose, so he gets sort of Spawn-style, um, like, flowing turban action to go along with his usual flowing cape action. Right. So we go to the Doctor Strange story. Goodbye to all that. Peter Gillis, uh, Peter Gillis writer, Chris Warner penciler, Randy Emberlin inker, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So, uh, what you calls it? Uh, Sarah is fielding calls of people trying to talk to Doctor Strange, and he's just real busy. They both, her and Wong, sort of talk about how Doctor Strange is um, is really messed up by having killed someone, and he's been sort of in his sanctum for like a couple weeks, or for like a couple days. And they eventually hear a shout from, you know his sanctum basically like a big no and Rintra you know they burst through the door Rintra go, uh, leading going first and they see Doctor Strange you know floating meditating in the lotus position with a floating like uh, mystic globe in front of him and he's sort of saying what have I done the world and the globe is like it's mostly yellow, but it's covered in all of this kind of red, you know, reddish pink schmutz all over it. Yeah. And he's basically realizing that destroying all of the talismans and other mystic junk has caused a huge amount of mystic evil that had been sealed over millennia of mystical work to be instantly unsealed and spread all over the planet. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, apparently a lot of these talismans really powered Doctor Strange's ability. So that all he's left... So that basically... It's basically cut out the middle of his mystic repertoire. Uh-oh. Like, all he's got left are minor white magic spell... Or are minor white magic spells and then a couple major spells that are so powerful that the ramifications of using, hi- of using them mean that he basically can't use them, you know? Yeah. He's got, like, a switchblade and a nuke. And he's got to fight, like, you know, a bunch of bad guys, basically. So, I'm going to do my thing and drag us back into the present. Do it. Just just a moment. Yeah, where a Uh, lot of this stuff has been destroyed because of the end of magic, right? Yeah, totally. And it it puts Doctor Strange in very much a similar situation. Yeah, well, I think like we were saying uh, last week, where a lot... a surprising amount of this stuff got borrowed for the Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> you know, this is a lost time in Doctor Strange. No one talks about this part that much. <laughs> it's a good it's a good set of themes and storylines for you to borrow for your new Doctor Strange story. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh yeah, totally. But we'll talk about that in the far-flung future. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put a pin in it. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, the mystic globe that Doctor Strange has made to um, see all the bad stuff going on becomes part of the bad stuff going on as a oh. huge clawed hand bursts out of it. It's one of those cats from what we saw uh, last episode. There is sort of a demon guy covered in fur, big teeth, big claws, big eyes. He serves uh, the great Ehrlich Khan, and he's come to take Doctor Strange down. Luckily, he's brought his bros as well. You totally oh, hey. disrespect me, bro. So I brought all my bros to beat up on your bro. Exactly. Bro. I should Bro. mention in other cat news, a uh, stray black alley cat has climbed in through the open windows of the Sanctum Sanctorum and has been hanging out with Doctor Strange. I don't see anything wrong with that. You're gonna, because what you call it. As the cats attack, Doctor Strange uh, burns one of them to death instantly at the sacrifice of that cat's life. Oh. He's using life energy to fuel his spells. It's hella evil. That's not good. He's embracing black magic and stuff. The other cats attack. One of them grabs Sarah and, like, runs his claw down her face, like, leaving a a, a bleeding wound there. As both the, uh... As both Rintra and Wong fight back against the cats, they eventually herd them into a magical circle, and Doctor Strange is able to burn them away. But the damage is done. Uh... Even the smallest spells Doctor Strange casts can bring down this kind of magical attack. And it's increasing and it's continuing to prove dangerous for those people around him that he cares about, like Sarah. Plus, their main healer, Topaz, has apparently left the building, disappeared, and can't help them. So, Doctor Strange is left without a lot of choices. He sends Rintra away because Rintra has a, has a good amount of, mes- of mystical power and a purity of spirit. As the Minotaur leaves, Doctor Strange hugs Sarah and Wong and says that, you know, and says, I have a spell of great power and, complic- and complexity to cast, but before I do it, I have to say goodbye. And we jump to several days later. The... Sanctum Sanctorum on 177A Bleecker Street is back in full repair, and we see a man in white, a Dr. Sanders, being wished a farewell and good luck on his trip by a Native American lady and an Asian man, both in, like, power suits. Mm. His visit was fruitful, and he'll look you up when next, when, when next he's in New York City. He walks out the door to begin his trick trek to Hong Kong, and the sign above the door of the building says the, C- the Stephen Strange Memorial Metaphysical Institute. Dr. Strange off- is off to travel the world, and before he did, he did the most Dr. Strange thing possible, mind wipe his own friends so they won't miss him. <sighs> Stephen, buddy, we, you know this never works, right? It always works. No, it doesn't. That's why he always does it. <laughs> you know yeah no you want to sometimes you just want to go to dr to steven strange and just be like buddy you can't mind wipe all your problems away you know it, it doesn't work historically this has been proven true well i mean honestly the big thing it's proven is that people's like the mind wipe wears off and people remember their past and stuff but that's cool when it's your buddies because it means that like in a couple years they'll remember him and maybe go help him or something like that as opposed to come know. back I, and like, fight him. If I was in that position, I'd be kind of pissed. Maybe. I, I, I wonder if you have different relationship standards when you're hanging out with Doctor Strange, you know? Maybe, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. You know, it's like when you hang out with, like a, with one of those jackass guys. Like, you know you're going to get pranked eventually. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, things are going to go bad, or maybe you're going to get forced to drink a gallon of milk or something. I don't know. Yeah, so, you know, you just sort of, you get a grade on a scale, you know? Right. Let's go to Strange Tales 4 from July 1987. Perchance to Dream. Bill Mantlo's story, Brett Blevins' art, Kevin Bruzenak, letterer, Glennis Oliver, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. All right. So uh, Cloak and Dagger have moved into an abandoned church in New York City. Uh, People say it's haunted, and Cloak uses mystical abilities to um, help with that. Meanwhile, they go off to uh, uh, Daggers received a bunch of like clothes and credit cards from her stepfather, and they go out uh, food shopping. And we also see that actually now Dagger can basically overload 
cloak with um, with light. And when she does that, it actually turns cloak back into a regular in, in, into like a human being with a body and stuff. So they can actually do human things like go to the supermarket and things like that. However, while they're at the supermarket, uh, cloak passes out and in and dreams. And when he dreams, he sees nightmare pretending to be a good guy chained up and trapped inside cloak shadow dimension. And cloaks like, Oh man, I got to help you. Like I got to get dagger and maybe she can help get you out of the dark, out of the uh, dark dimension in my body or my shadow dimension. And, Nightmare is like, hey, you know who could really help? Uh, like maybe a mystical guy. Do you, do you know anybody like that? Like, well, I met doctors. I met Doctor Strange one time. Maybe that could do it. Maybe that guy. <laughs> you know, just go ask that guy. Just go ask him. I don't care. Yeah. Just ask him. Do it. Uh, I mean, uh, if you want to, whatever. I'm a good if guy. You, if you want, do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nightmare, buddy. He's subtle. <laughs> subtle AF. All right. <laughs> So let's go to the Doctor Strange story, Walk on the Wild Side. Peter Gillis, writer, Chris Warner, penciler, Randy Emberlin, inker, Janice Chang, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. We're in Hong Kong. Oh, buddy. Oh, man. Doctor Strange is uh, accompanied Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom style by a, a young Asian lad that's actually Rintra uh, illusioned into looking like a, a kid. That's kind of weird. It's weird because he doesn't, his physical form hasn't changed. So they, they got to be careful as they walk because, you know, he's actually a giant minotaur guy, but he just looks like a little kid. <laughs> they walk through the streets of Hong Kong, come across a crowd. Inside the crowd, they find a, uh, a young man has brutally murdered his wife. Like he's covered in blood and like wounds and things like that and he's just like I can't believe what I've done she was my angel how could this be and uh, Doctor Strange talks to a police to a police officer and this, this turns out this is a, there's been a rash of murders like this throughout the city that seems like a problem it does Doctor Strange investigates mystically taking some of the blood he casts a spell and it forms an image of like a uh, black like bird kind of thing it's pretty bad he sees he looks at it and his bones become liquid fire then ice by hogoth uh. yeah it's a it's a thing it's a curse known as the wings of heedless sorrow and he's got to stop it going okay. to a going to a secluded location doctor strange uh, changes out of civilian clothes and into his doctor strange clothes he scans Hong Kong and sees two centers of magic. He's got to do both of them. So he sends Rintra to deal with one and he goes to deal with the other. So Rintra in little kid form runs to that same police police detective guy and is like, hey, you got to come with me. Hundreds of people are, 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 in, tr- are in danger if you, if you don't come with me. And the detective is like, ah, whatever. And so Rintra grabs his lapels and like shakes him, which is kind of funny because you see like the illusion just kind of like holding his hands up and going whatever. And then Rintra's giant green minotaur hands actually grab the guy, the uh, lieutenant and shake him. And it's, a, it's like a pretty funny image. He's like, oh my God. Okay, maybe I should follow where you lead. I mean, okay. Why a little kid? Why not like, you know, a big dude, like a boxer or something or... Um, I guess it's more inconspicuous for uh, a white guy to be traveling the um, through China with a young guy. I don't know. Sure. Okay. Maybe they're Thanks. um. Maybe Thanks, they're, Temple of Doom. Yeah, big Temple of Doom fans. <laughs> Doctor Strange goes to a houseboat where he finds a um a family in the midst of misery the uh there's a, a mother and a father and their son is very is a uh, very sick and his mother cares for him she's found a necklace that she is like she believes is a healing charm and it's the same black winged figure of the wings of heedless of, of needless sorrow Doc, uh, dr strange reaches and says like you have to give me that um necklace and the father grabs his wrist and is like, no. And there's going to have to be some alter- an altercation here, unfortunately. Meanwhile, in the holy crap moment of this, of this episode, um, like, I had a holy crap moment when Wong got um, attacked by the face pincers from Earthona. But this is the real holy crap moment. 
Rintra leads the, the police detective and a bunch of cops to a big public showers where a bunch of people mill around, each of them holding a lighter as we find that they've hooked uh, a petrol, a, 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 basically a gas barrel up to the pipes of the showers. Uh... And they're preparing to turn the showers on, covering everyone in gasoline as they hold lighters in the air. Uh, Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. This, this doesn't seem okay. Um, Dr. Strange, this is hap- like the people are doing this because of the control of the talisman. It seems like the, ta- like the prayers to help the dying boy are being su- funneled through the talisman and causing ne- people to do horrible things uh, to feed its magical hunger. They're, whether it's killing their spouses or doing some kind of crazy shower and, ma- and lighter-based suicide thing. Okay. Doctor Strange knows he has to get the talisman right away, and he can't. He doesn't have time to talk the, these people out of it. His eyes burn, burn yellow and burn yellow and red, and he says, "Fisherman, come here." And then suddenly, at the last minute, a uh, great um, there's a wind, a thick, dismal wind. That flows through the room, killing all the killing all the lights on the lighters, just as the gasoline starts to flow through the shower spigots. Really cutting it close there. Rintra runs and meets up with Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange says that he had to mystically force them to give him the talisman, and although he's triumphed, there's nothing but tragedy here. The boy will die. The mother will die of a broken heart, and the father will soon follow. He's tried to save people, but once again, he's only done so at great loss, both to those around him and to his own soul. Jeez. At the end, Doctor Strange, um, full of remorse and disgust at his actions, gives Rintra the Eye of Agamotto, his magic amulet, because Doctor because St- he he is no longer pure enough to use it. Oh, dang. Which finally takes us to Strange Tales number five from August 1987. First up, the Cloak and Dagger story. Vermin. Bill Mantlo's story. Brett Blevins art. Kurt Brusenak letterer. Glynis Oliver colorist. Carl Potts editor. Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. Oh, man. It's late at night in New York City. They're spraying for rats using a, um, what you call it? You know, the thing that uh, the, the 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 side that kill or you know, they're they're using gas to kill all the rats in New York City. This angers this giant human rat, man rat, right. man <laughs> rat. Like soon I'll have my revenge. Whatever. But they also okay. talk about how this uh, this poison is really dangerous. Like the the people are suing the government to make it stop its use, but they still got to do it because otherwise the rats will take over the city. Basically. Meanwhile, uh, Cloak and Dagger are hanging out. Um, Cloak continues to dream of night of uh, the like friendly version of Nightmare begging to be freed. Talks to Doctor Strange. Come on, seriously, do it. Uh, meanwhile, in the disused church they live in, there's apparently a community meeting about the um, about the pe- the uh, the about the poison gas being used to kill the rats. And they're basically like, hey, like you're using this on our poor community because you guys are jerks. And they're like, ah, it's safe, you know, whatever. It's been approved by the government, so whatever. Man, man don't worry about it. Just, just don't. It's fine. But we got there's, it. It's there's okay. one more important thing because someone's stealing our children. Oh, no. Cloak and Dagger perk up at that and decide to go and try to find out what's happening to these kids. We then cut to some kids. <laughs> wandering the back alleys of New York. They get attacked by a swarm of rats, and the swarm of rats carries them down into a hole in the wall into the sewers. Cloak and Dagger give chase. There's a whole bunch of kids being held hostage by this man-rat guy. Looks like he's going to kill them unless they stop using the poison gas to spray for rats. Uh, you know. Cloak and Dagger fight them back. They beat up this rat guy. He's been defeated this time, but he'll be back because you can't keep a good rat down. Kids are freed. Good times all around. Yeah, of course. We, 
Yeah, whatever. Take that, rat man. Yeah. I don't care about these rat men. Uh, we go to the Doctor Strange story, The Snows of Yesteryear. Peter Gillis, writer, Larry Alexander, penciler, Randy Emberlin, inker, Janice Chang, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Okay, so uh, Doctor Strange and Rintra still in kid form have found their way to the country of Camertage, where the um, former temp- where the Temple of the Ancient One once stood. Doctor Strange sort of they go into a tavern where they find the Sherpa guide that led Doctor Strange to the Ancient One's temple way back when he before he was even a mystic dude. This guy's like, I remember you strange when you were a callow physician with messed up hands. Now you yeah, say man, you're sorcerer you're like super supreme. arrogant and stuff and kind of a jerk. Yeah. Now you're an arrogant jerk with magic powers, so whatever. Things but, haven't changed much. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Doctor Strange reveals that they tried to fly to the Temple of the Ancient One, but apparently, since Hamir left in the events of uh, Into Shambhala, they were blocked by some sort of mystical force that kept them from entering. So now they got to enter on foot, basically. After showing off that he's Sorcerer Supreme, the 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 Sherpa uh, Jigme agrees to guide Strange and Rutra into the um, into the Himalayas to the Temple of the Ancient One. Unfortunately, the going gets tough. There's snow and ice everywhere, and to beat off the snow, Doctor Strange has to use his powers, which in turn alerts whoever's keeping them from entering the temple magically that, you know, Doctor Strange is here and he's using power. They hear laughter behind the howling wind as they, as they approach. Hmm. Eventually, yeah, eventually, Doctor Strange um, tries to blow back the wind, but it causes Jigme to go flying into the rocks, and before he can stop, he uh, takes a huge hit and seems to be dying on the slopes. As this happens, they are visited by Valkyrie. Steven. What what have you done this time? Nah, Valkyrie. Okay, so I guess I should mention um, this is we're in like late we're we're in like mid eighty seven. Uh, the event the uh, defenders are all dead. They died in early nineteen eighty six. Or well, okay, half the defenders died. The non um, X Men defenders died. The X Men defender like. After Doctor Strange left, the Defenders sort of turned into the old home school for, or the uh, sort of the retirement superhero team for the original X-Men. Like, Beast, Angel, Iceman, all those guys joined the Defenders. And were, you know, we saw it a little bit. But eventually they wanted to form the, or Marvel comic book group wanted to start uh, X-Factor. And to do that, they wanted all the original X Men to be in it. They they uh so they 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 killed all of the they killed all the defenders during the Secret Wars during Secret Wars two, and they had the rest or they they, they killed all the non X Men defenders. So the X Men defenders were free. They brought Jean Grey back to life. All this stuff. Okay. But so Valkyrie died. Uh, Gargoyle died. The rest of the team died. Um, and so now Valkyrie is basically back in Asgard and she's back to her traditional Valkyrie role of visiting heroes as they die to guide them to Valhalla. Okay, like like Valkyrie do. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. saw it we saw it recently when Doctor Strange took that uh, spear to the gut from one of her Thona's guys. Right, and he was totally dying. Yeah, and Valkyrie kind of showed up and is like, "Hey, like let's go to heaven or to Valhalla." And yeah. Doctor Strange is like, no. Um, this time, she's like, ah, oh, that Jigme guy is a good guy. I'll um, take him to Valhalla. Also, um, if you, like, use his life, then um, you can use his life to power a spell to create a mystic bond between, um, between me, Valkyrie, and some of the other dead defenders. Ironically, none of the defenders that you actually know, Doctor Strange, just some random dudes that had joined the team right before they all died. <laughs> Doctor Strange is sort of skeptical. He's like, well, you know, that, uh, Val, you're hot. You're cool, but I don't know the rest of these guys. And, like, using a guy's soul to power a summoning spell to summon some superheroes to back me up with whatever's inside the Temple of the Ancient One now is blood magic. And a blood sacrifice, and that seems real bad. Man, that seems not super not okay. Yeah. He thinks about it, and eventually um, he agrees. 
Valkyrie takes Jigme's soul, and now they're bond, and now they're bound to Doctor Strange in the wars to come. Rintra and Strange make their way to the temple of the to the to the temple of the Ancient One, and we end our comics for the for the for for this week. Next issue: The Wrath of Ehrlich Khan. And that's the comics, Drew. Good lord. Yeah, man. There's a lot of wow. Doctor Strange is getting going on, man. Yeah, he's getting super dark. You know, he's yeah. he's winning all he's getting all these victories, but winning them in a very close way and ways that make him have to compromise his values and beliefs. It's um, really not okay. <laughs> it's very interesting and sort of pushing him into places that we haven't seen him have to go before. You know, so much of early Doctor Strange is him being very confident and knowing exactly what to do. Now he's in a position where he doesn't have the resources he once had. He's got to figure out what to do, and it's pushing and it's making things very tense and difficult for him. You know? Yeah, yeah. I will say I don't know if I'm a I'm not a huge fan of this anthology format. Um, it's just not at this point. I don't think these Marvel comic writers are are very good at telling these kinds of compressed stories, like an eleven page story. Basically, uh-huh. they're so used to having like twenty or twenty two pages that. Right. It feels really compressed. It feels like we're taking one comic book and spreading it out over a couple of months as opposed to telling a bunch of small stories that add up to a big story the way we see, like on uh, our, on my 2000 AD show, Space Spinner 2000. You know, it's a different sort of method of storytelling, the compressed anthology for, format, you know? Right. Especially for this one, which unlike, say, a lot of the Strange Tales Doctor Stranges, which often tended to be... Um, like self-contained monster of the week stories. This is one big, like steady serial story, basically. Yeah. But I'm interested to see how it'll go. You know, I think it'll be a. It's an interesting experiment, and we're only gonna be doing it. And it's only we're we're only doing it for about 19 issues. So right. Soon well, enough, it'll be over, and we'll be into Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. Finally. But yeah, no, it's an interesting take on like taking uh, Doctor Strange into a much darker place than he usually goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I am interested to see what happens. Hey, I'm interested to see too. Oh, that's a pun that everybody's, everyone's going to get next week. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram at strangerbythedozen, Twitter, at Stranger by the Twelve, and on our podcast network site at Cradoline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from these issues, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any podcatching app. Tune in next week as we follow Doctor Strange to the Sanctum of the Ancient One, where we'll meet both a new enemy, Ehrlich Khan, and an old one, the Dread Kalu. Will Doctor Strange survive? Even... I'm not sure. He might need, he definitely might need some patching up. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> Cloak and Dagger, uh, <laughs> Cloak and Dagger will cross over with Doctor Strange. Then they'll split up and meet both the evil Mr. Jip and my personal favorite Spider Man girlfriend, Black Cat. Uh, the eyes have it next week on, Doctor St- on Stranger by the Dozen. Until then, faithful listener, I say. At last we meet, Urthona. Know you that any power can be dealt with if it is is expected, Conjurer. I have learned the depth and span, the very name of your power. Now see if you know the name of mine. You have taken what was entrusted to me. You have harmed innocence under my care. You have played with the deep balance of light and dark. And for that, Doctor Strange will make you pay. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.